Amen. He just, man, we could just do so much good, and we should. Amen. What a joy, what a joy, what a joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Glory. You know, you want to be blessed. You have to be a blessing. And, and you have to be those kind of folks that you, you just, who can we bless today, Father? That's, that's what we can do. You know, in any one of us, we, we couldn't meet a, maybe a big, big, big need. Uh, but all of us together. Wow. Amen. So wonderful. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you would please, today to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20. Proverbs, no, I'm sorry, Proverbs 5. No. <laughs> Proverbs 20, <laughs> verse 5. <laughs> Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, verse 5. For those that are visiting, those that uh, have not been with us for some time, uh, the guys in the back told me that this is the fifth lesson that we've done in a row, talking about hearing from God. So vitally important that we hear from God. Uh, amen. Because God's desire is to steer us around all of the traps and the pitfalls that the enemy has laid for us. He desires to lead us into victory and success. You know, God the Father, He authored your victory. He planned it. Jesus came and paid for it. Had to be paid for. Because we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. These are not things we deserve. Amen. But Jesus paid for our full inheritance, our full redemption. But now the Holy Ghost has come. What's His job? To lead us into the experience of what God planned. And what God the Son paid for. You still, that's why you could have all, you could have your, he, your healings paid for, your soundness of mind, your divine protection, your money, everything that you'd want, need, dream of. Jesus paid for all of it. God planned all of it. You can still go without. You have to be led into it. Amen. And so, how are you going to do that? You have to learn to hear from God. And so, of course, we couldn't go back and restate everything that we've already addressed and taught. But all of those messages are free online. Any podcast channel, Roku, whatever, we put it out there on whatever we can. Wouldn't cost you nothing. Go get it and uh, catch up with us. And, uh, but lately, we've been talking about the, uh, the peace of God was what we addressed last time. And uh, such an important component. You're in Proverbs chapter 20. Let me come up to Colossians chapter 3, and just read this to you again from my Amplified Translation. And uh, this, this is a place you should have a, a home base built in the Scriptures when it comes to hearing from God and making decisions and being led by God. I don't care what it is. Moms, are you safe in letting little Johnny go, go play with the neighbor boy? You can know. We can know. Amen. Uh, the outcome of certain things and uh, whether or not we're safe to go a direction, invest in this, marry this, all of the great big decisions in life that are really going to determine our outcome, God has something to say about it all. I said God has something to say about it all. And in Colossians 3.15 from the Amplified Translation, if they could put that up there, it says, And let the peace, the peace 
the soul harmony which comes from Christ. Notice this peace comes from Christ. And now it goes on and says, let this peace rule. Let it rule. Not your brain rule. Not what you think rule. Not your pros and cons list. Not your fleece you put out. You know, God, if this is you, let this happen. If this is you, let this happen. That's how you get hoodwinked. That's how you get deceived. You go into a job interview and say, Oh, Father God, if it's you, if this job is you, let them offer it to me. And the devil will go, Offer it to him. Offer, offer it to him. Because he can play in that realm. And that's how you get fleeced. That's where, we, that's where that term comes from. Amen. From that back in the Old Testament. Now, Gideon got away with a fleece. You want to know why? Gideon didn't have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of him. Everything God did to lead his people back then had to be from the outside in. That's why David sang in the Psalms, I look unto the hills from, where, from whence my help comes from. I don't look to no hill today. My help isn't coming from a hill. Neither is yours. Now that's fine for David, wonderful poetic language and true in his day. But you and I as believers, our bodies have become the very temple and dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's why one of the, one of, I always like to make fun of this prayer. I just do. I'm just, amen, just kind of that way. But this whole, people are sincere, but Lord be with. That just won't do a believer a bit of good. God can't answer that prayer. I mean, how, Lord be close. Draw close, Lord, draw close. Well, I mean, he could come in his, in his tangible presence. You know, you, you, we draw closer to him, all that, James. But uh, how much closer could he get? Really, he's living on the inside of us. Amen. To be led by the Spirit, to make Spirit-led, God-inspired decisions, dads, husbands, you let the peace decide. You let the peace rule. In other words, this is the way I endeavor to conduct myself. Even though, you know, I'm the president of the World Harvest Church Corporation, Harvest Kids Christian Daycare, Chris Coney Ministries, my family, I don't endeavor to let my will and my opinion rule. Because I've learned I, could, I have a great capacity, Reverend Campbell, to mess things up. Amen. I want God's will. I want God's decision. And to get that, he's telling us we let the peace decide. Acting as an umpire. Remember that? Remember that we talked about? You know, the umpire goes, you're out. Amen. Praise God. If I don't have a God-authored peace down in here, amen, then it's a no-baby. Amen. Care how much people are pressuring me. I don't care how good things look. If I get checked in here, if there's the want or the lack or the absence of peace in here, I've learned. I've learned through trial and error. Not to not to override that. Amen. God's peace is his green light. That check, that discomfort, that ad, that inner agitation that you sometimes have when you're trying to do something or go that way. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to where, you know, I know enough that about that's him. It's like, oh God, why can't I do it? Why can't I buy it? Why can't I go there? Amen. 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 But the, the red light, of course, is the absence of that peace. Anyway, a lot of good stuff on that last message you should go and listen to. And so, but notice he said, let the peace of God rule. Act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. How many questions? 
all questions that come up in your mind about that, let the peace of God decide. Amen? Now, I love that, and I want to, this is what I wanted to highlight. The Amplified says, now notice that, in that peaceful state. You see, you discern and can tell about the peace or the lack of peace when you're in a peaceful state. So, you know, there's all kinds of different prayers, Brother Caden, you know that. Different ways you can pray, different kinds of prayer. We pray for the lost. We pray for our elected officials. Uh, we pray for one another. We pray for finances. We, we form a prayer that's just praise and worship. Amen? But one of the key ways we pray or kinds of prayer is what I call praying to hear. And praying to hear is different than praying to just let God know you love Him, which you should do. And uh, part of the key in uh, praying to hear or to discern the peace of God, the direction of God in your spirit is you got to get yourself in a peaceful state. Amen. In other words, there are, there are great hindrances uh, and obstacles the enemy right, will try to throw in your way to keep you, to just keep, keep, keep a lot of noise, keep a lot of busyness going on so that you don't detect clearly the peace or the lack of peace going on in your own spirit. Right? This is why all over the Psalms you'll, you'll see David saying things like this, meditate upon your own bed, be still. You can read in another place where David said, uh, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Amen. So there's two, there's two big challenges for us in modern life. Amen. In getting still. Number one is getting your body still. Now some of you, you don't have that problem. But for me, I am just kind of mm, all the time. You know, if you watch me come back, if I've been gone several days from my house, like on a ministry trip or something, the first thing I do, I don't come in and rest, put my feet up. The first thing I do is I'm going to look at the floor. And if it's not right, I mean, if there's kitty litter or dog hair or whatever, I'm going to spend the next hour, mm, then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And I finally have to just say, hey, chill out. Amen? And I tell you, uh, I'm not off my subject, you understand? Praise God. The bigger and the more gravity the decision, the more I come away. The more I start shutting stuff down. The more I endeavor to uh, push things out so that I can... I, a lot of times, because I have key to the building, I'll come up here, amen, and, and just be in the sanctuary. Or wherever you can get. Get in your car, go for a drive. Get quiet. So you have to be physically still. But then the even bigger challenge for most of us is to get mentally still. And most of you, how many of you meant like that? I mean, from the moment you're up, a few minutes after that, when your mind, your mind gets pulled into drive, you're running at about 3,000 RPMs until bedtime. That hinders your ability to hear. Because your answer's not in your mind. Brother Sean, you ever lost something or misplaced something? I know you haven't, but I, I, I often do. And uh, 
there's been times, Brother Britt, you've seen me, I was sure I put it in a particular, I was sure. So I'd go to that drawer, and, and it's not there, and I'd come back, and, I'd, and I'm coming back, and you come back three or four times, yeah. and then I'd take everything out. You know what? It's not in there. I have to admit, eventually, it's not in there. And believers keep looking to their minds for their answer. Listen, sweetie, it's not in there. God doesn't lead us through our minds. He leads us in our hearts, in our spirits, by imparting peace or withdrawing peace. But this is discerned in a peaceful state. So David said, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Lie across your bed, the Bible says, meditate with your own heart, commune with your own heart, and be still. I know this generation doesn't like that. I saw an article I just read, I didn't read the article, I saw the headline that says cell phones have become new adult pacifiers. (laughs) You ain't going to get the leading of the Spirit like that, honey. Amen. So endeavor to get into, you really ought to cultivate a culture in your home, right, Uh, of no drama. We're going to deal with things, we're going to deal with it calmly, we're going to deal with it sanely, we're going to deal with it biblically, and we're going to deal with it. But we're not just going to be punching holes in the walls and screaming and certainly cursing, and right? All this drama and drama, drama. Amen? In that peaceful state. That's where, you're, that's where you're going to hear and discern the voice of God. Amen? Now in Proverbs chapter 20, took me a minute to get there. Uh, amen. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, counsel. Now you all know what counsel would be, right? It's your advice. It's your answer. It's what to do. Amen. So this verse starts off with saying, counsel. It's going to tell you for the believer where counsel is. Where is your counsel? Well, that's up there in the throne room. I'm bombarding the gates of heaven. God! Oh, God! No, no, no. Amen? Amen. Counsel in the heart, in the spirit, in the inwardmost being of a man is like deep water. I like that expression. Amen? Did he say that the counsel that's in your spirit, is it just right there on the surface, ready to be just skimmed off real easy? No. The counsel is in your spirit. It's like deep water. It's deep water, like way down there. Amen. How does the verse end? But a man, a woman of understanding will draw it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to be a person of understanding. There are some things that you can say, uh, God, what should I do? And it's like, you know, birds chirping. Amen. And, uh, you know, we want microwave answers. answers. We want instant rice. You know, we, we want drive-through deliverance. <laughs> right? But I'm telling you, there is something about God. He's not trying to hide Him. But the, the best things, the best leadings of your life will come to those who show God that they're interested. 
And a lot of people give lip service to wanting to know what God wants. But the Bible says over and over and over that you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now, none of us are going to qualify doing that, praying a 30-second prayer and then going on about our way, expecting God to interrupt us and write it in the sky so we don't miss it. If we really want to know, if we really want the leading of the Lord, if we really want the knowledge of God's plan for our life, then we have a responsibility to pray and keep on praying, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. He said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Isn't it interesting? Ask, seek, knock, spells, ask. Amen. Praise God. And uh, we are to be persistent and show God we are really interested in our answer. And so, no doubt, this is why counsel in the heart of the man is like deep water. But men and women of understanding will learn how to draw out their answer from their heart, from their spirit, where God is living on the inside of them. Amen. Amen. And did you know, Christian, that God has given you a supernatural gift, a supernatural ability? Call it a bucket on a rope, baby. And it's infinite length. It'll go as deep as it needs to go to get your answer and to draw it up. That's the way I like to think about this. Counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well. Amen. And what you and I have to do, praise God, is dip the, the, the rope, amen, and the bucket down into the water. Amen. And draw that up. Hallelujah. Well, that sounds like it takes effort. Yeah, how thirsty are you? How, how bad do you want to know? Most Christians, let's just be honest, they're, they're not really interested. They're content and happy to just um, guess their way through life, will their way through life. Amen. Take, take whatever crumbs of blessing God decides to throw their way. But there's so much. There's so much heartache you could avoid. There's so many pressures and, and uh, problems that, that you and I could be steered around if we would just learn to get still and learn how to take the rope and the bucket that the God has given us, amen, and dip down and draw out our counsel, draw out our answer. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's go to Romans Chapter, no, let's not do that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Hallelujah. Now, what is this rope? What is this bucket? What is this gift? Well, it comes with a wonderful package gift that the Bible calls the empowerment or the enduing of power from on high from God in what is called the baptism with the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. Now, I know that good, good, sincere Christians have thought and taught that what the Bible describes in Acts and other places as the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the new birth are one and the same. But, my friend, they're not. All you have to, you don't have to believe me for my sake. I hope you don't. Go home with a Bible translation you understand and read the book of Acts. And if you get to the end of the book of Acts, you will have to see you will have to admit, an honest reading will tell you 
a, a pattern will emerge. You will see a group of people getting, or an individual getting born again. Amen? And then moments or a few days later or sometime later, you will see them uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Well, they can't be the same. We were talking about this in our mentoring class. Someone brought up, it was an unrelated question about what I'm about to say, but in John chapter 20, I believe, where Jesus in His resurrected form appears into a closed, locked room with, where His disciples are gathered for fear of the Jews. Amen. He says, hi, Phyllis. He talked to them. That's when Thomas put his finger. Doubting Thomas, that's where we get that. Well, he got to put his finger into the uh, wounds in Jesus' hands and put his fist up in the wound in Jesus' side. And then it says that Jesus breathed on them. And it says they received the Holy Spirit. Well, what is that? That was them getting born again. You know what Romans tells us about getting born again? He that believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead shall be saved. Is that right? Come on, that's right. Amen. Jesus was resurrected and he goes, Hi! To the disciples. Do you think they acknowledged him as resurrected from the dead? You think they believed? And he breathed on them and they were born again. Then he commands them not to go start their ministry, but to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Is that not right? And it says on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There were 120 born-again disciples in that room. They weren't waiting to get saved. You can wait in a room and pray, and you'll never get saved. They weren't waiting. They were saved. And now as saved people, they're obeying a command to wait for the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Which He instructed. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. See, He's already in you, but He wants to come upon you. That's what the baptism with the Holy Spirit's all about. It's about anointing and power from the same Holy Spirit who's in you to come upon you to enable you to live the Christian life in a powerful way, in a strong way, and to do the signs and wonders that Jesus did. No, 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 no. No, Jesus said Himself in John 14, 12. That the same works, not lesser works, the same works that you see me do, you shall do also. Because I go to my Father. Why is that phrase significant? Well, he said, I'm going to the Father, and when I get there, I'm going to pray that God will send you another comforter, the Holy Ghost. Who was enabling the man, God, man, Jesus, to do all those miracles when he was on the earth? The Holy Ghost. I said the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there in Acts chapter 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues of fire appeared over their head. Fire. Amen. And it says they were all filled. It didn't say they were all saved. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit Gave them utterance. Pastor, I know that, but that's passed away. Who told you that? My preacher, God bless him. He probably graduated from cemetery, didn't he? Where, where young preachers go to die. Go to get indoctrinated with doubt and unbelief. I'm not saying all those schools are bad. 
Well, the Bible says tongues shall cease. That's right, baby. It says they shall. It didn't say they have. It said they shall. Well, shall came. Who told you that? Give me scripture for that. I know what scripture they're talking about. We're not going there. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. And it says in there, it says that prophecy shall cease. Well, is that cease? Nobody will tell you it has. Nobody. Amen. And it says knowledge shall pass away. Well, is knowledge passed away yet? No. How come you're going to pick on tongues then? Because I don't like them. You're rocking my theological boat. That is my assignment this morning. To help you. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I came out of that frat party with a... In just an, uh, just such a hunger and desire for the Word. And it just I was reading all over the Word. Praise God. But it seemed like all I could see, Reverend Marilyn, were these scriptures about people being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues after they got saved. Mm-hmm. And I'd run to my church. I'd run here and I'd run there and I'd say, well, what about this? And they'd say it passed away. And I'm like, well, can you show me where it passed away? No, but it did. Well, I, I'm not trying to be stubborn. Amen. But I just want a biblical answer to a biblical question. The whole idea of cessationism as a theological thing is such a lie. It's as big of a danger as evolution is a lie. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Where where do I have you parked? 1 Corinthians. Keep a finger there. Amen. But go to Acts chapter 2. Do you know the Bible tells us how long this Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, tongue-talking experience will last? You don't have to have somebody's opinion about it. It's not about me trying to persuade you from another well-meaning preacher and and what they sincerely held. the, The question is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Hallelujah. I know of Christians everywhere that are hungry and desperate and crying out to God to speak to them and to help them, while at the same time fighting against one of the greatest methods the Holy Ghost has been meant to help them in that would bring them their help. So in one stance they're saying, help me, and on the other hand they're fighting against their own help. It's hard to win in life doing that with God. Amen. Hallelujah. So Peter stands up in the midst. I don't know if you've had a chance to read part of Reverend Siegel's book yet, you know, but he outlines this. People were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're so full of God. They just get so on fire for God, so touched with God, they're stammering around like drunk people. In fact, the crowd accused them of being drunk. Peter stood up in the midst of them. You could read about it and says, no, 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 it's only 9 o'clock, guys. The bars aren't even open yet. That's the Cody translation. Amen. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. But he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he goes on from there and he begins to preach a wonderful sermon that resulted in, uh, what, 3,000 people coming to Jesus that day. Amen. Praise God. And so let's pick it up at the end of the sermon. And let's look at verse 36, Acts 2, 36. Therefore, Peter's preaching, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly, that God has made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. See, he's preaching salvation to them. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Y'all know what that's like. I do too, right? 
and said unto Peter and to the rest, men, uh, Apostles, men, brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Stop, stop, stop. What would happen to them if they did that? There's the resident theologian in the house right here. If you repent of your sin, amen, what are you going to be? Saved. You would be saved. Okay, we agree on the, the theologian in the house. He, he agrees with me on this. <laughs> Hallelujah. He and I have a good little banter going on. Amen. Hallelujah. I have the mic more than he does. Eventually, if he gets it, he may pay me back. I don't know. <laughs> then he might not ever get the mic again. But anyway. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, so look at that. It says, he told them, they, they said, what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This isn't salvation, my friends. He's saying you can receive, if you'll do what we did, amen, get born again, you can also receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that you've seen us receive and that you're asking us about. Hallelujah. Then he tells us how long this gift is for. What's the expiration date on this gift? For the promise. The promise. Now again, it's, it would take a, a half a lesson. But if you read John, where he talks about the promise, promise, the promise of the Father, it's all about getting filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered by the Holy Ghost, anointed with the Holy Ghost, not about being born again, though being born again is paramount. You can't go to heaven without being saved, guys. Amen. And you can go to heaven without being filled with the Holy Ghost. But you're going to experience unnecessary hell down here on this earth. Because you don't take advantage of a wonderful gift. Anyway, praise God. Look at this. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you. So it's unto who? Well, imagine we're not there. That was Peter pointing at a crowd. For the promise is unto you. Are you in that scripture? Not yet. Amen. And then what does it say next? And unto your children. Okay, so he pushes this out one generation. Is that you? Caden, is that you? No, you're not in that generation, are you? So we haven't found ourselves yet. Amen? But how does the verse end? And to all. Except the Methodists. Amen? I can say that being one of them. Hallelujah. And to all. All to who? All that are afar off. Meaning what? Afar off in time. As many as the Lord our God shall call, meaning what? To salvation. I found myself. Peter's preaching under the unction of the Holy Ghost and he sees all the way afar off in time to believers being born again in 2022. And he says this gift is for all who are afar off in time. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Now again, time's running out and I have something to get to about how you get your answer. Amen? But a huge, huge part of it is in the benefits that it's wrapped up in the benefits that comes when you receive, not this curse, this gift. We should be careful, though we believers have been so sincere that they mock 
and they scoff. And they ridicule and sometimes even persecute. Amen. Uh, People who have received something holy, something necessary, something beneficial, something precious. Out of ignorance of what the Bible teaches. We should be careful that we be found fighting against God. Amen? Again, amen. It's a gift. It's not to be forced on anyone. Amen. Can I come to this church and not be filled with the Spirit? Of course you can. But there's going to be sermons like this frequently that are going to give you opportunity, amen, to see this wonderful truth. Now you're in 1 Corinthians 14, right? You flip back there. And I can do this in just a few minutes. Hallelujah. So when believers in that first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120, we see that they spoke with tongues. They weren't expecting to. Jesus didn't say expect to speak in other tongues. But it came with. When they were filled, it came with. And if you read the book of Acts just sincerely, you'll see that's the same pattern. And that's why Pentecostals, and people who believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, amen, will say that speaking with tongues is the initial, not the only, but the initial evidence that someone has received this gift because it comes with. You know, the first Gentile group in Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching along salvation message. He didn't even get to his altar call. They just grabbed hold of Jesus. And the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and his family and friends. And the Jews, Christian Jews, were astonished that came with Peter for that they too received the same gift they had for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Isn't that interesting? Hallelujah. Paul said this about tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. One translation says, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Amen. He also was used of God to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I wonder if those are connected. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14.2 So, uh, if you need to dig and study and get my little book and all that, I'm moving on now. Tongues comes with this gift of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, why? Uh, Let's close with one reason. The bucket and the rope. You know, in the giving of this speaking in these strange sounds, right? God has given us a divine, supernatural means by which we can have direct, encrypted, amen, communication and contact with God the Father from spirit to spirit. Well, what good would that be to speak something you don't understand? I'm not speaking to myself. When you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to yourself. It's not important that my mind understands it. What's important is, does God understand it? Well, where do the words come from? Well, they come up out of your spirit. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they all spoke with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So you, you can't, don't, you could never say then that all oh, that tongue stuff is of the devil. I wouldn't do that. Because it's the Holy Spirit is the one giving this unction and utterance. And Jesus said, you know, God forgives blasphemy against the Father. 
And God, He forgives blasphemy against the Son. But he that would blaspheme the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Amen? They had accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of demons. Well, how would that be blaspheming the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus was casting out those demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were likening the Holy Spirit's movement and power and activity to something demonic. Got to be careful. Amen. Now, nobody run out of here concerned about committing the unpardonable sin. Amen. <laughs> but just be, be careful about what we criticize. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. I'm reading this from the Amplified. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. Did you get that? But unto God. For no one understands Him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Moffat's translation says, He speaks divine secrets. He speaks divine secrets. Amen? The Amplified says, He utters secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to your understanding or to your mind. Praise God. The Weiss translation says, He utters with His human spirit divine revelations not explained. What does this have to do with counsel in the heart of a man like deep water? Well, guys and gals, the person who has this gift who can just speak with other tongues. Amen? That's the rope in the bucket. Amen? And when I need to know something, when I need to hear from God, now every believer, filled and not, or not filled, right? Tongue talker or not talk talker, has the witness. You have the Spirit on the inside of you. You have the leading of the Lord. Amen? Praise God. Not saying that. But here's something additional. I said something. It's additional capacity. And trying to be brief here, when I get stuck, Rex, when I really need to know a direction, and uh, I, I do, I come aside, I get still, I try to get my body still, try to get my mind quiet, and then what do I do? I yield to the Holy Spirit, and I speak to God in divine secrets. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, Amen. and I just take off. Now see, my mind didn't generate those words you just heard. Those things bubble up out of my spirit. I didn't have the capacity to do that until hands were laid upon me at Rama Bible Church in 1995-6. She elbowed me into the will of God. I didn't want to go. There's probably 2,000 people in that crowd. He's saying, anybody wants to get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost, get baptized, you know, rededicate, come down to the front. Man, I'm, we're up in the balcony or wherever. I'm not walking all the way down there. And speak like that in front of all those people? No way. But I had this sharp elbow in my ribs. Ding, 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 ding. Like, right? Amen. So she elbowed me out in the will of God, and I went down. Pastor Hagen Jr. laid his hands on me. Amen. And I was kind of in my head and a hard receiver, but in the back room I spoke. Amen. Praise God. 
The Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so that's just what I do, friends. Glory to God. And I just talk, and yeah, did my mind understand that? No, but God understands every, every utterance. And here's what happens. Why do it? What's the benefit? If your mind is quiet and your body is still, and you will just spend enough time, amen, the Holy Spirit searcheth. He knows what is of the mind of the Father. John 14, 16 says, When He come, He will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. Amen. So He's going to take everything He knows about the Father's will and Jesus' instructions for me. And it's His job to get that over to me. To get that in my spirit. And then I've got to draw it up to the surface. And here's what I mean by surface. When it comes to the surface, your mind will know what to do. And your mind can grab it. That's when your mind gets involved. Does that make sense to everybody? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the Spirit, not the natural, in the Spirit, he's speaking divine secrets. You know why the devil fights this so hard? It's encrypted. It's encrypted. He can't form a counterattack. He can't devise any opposition or strategy. When he hears me pray my desire in English, he can form... Still can't stop him if I have faith. But he can hear what I'm wanting and desiring and form countermeasures to that oh praise god but he's totally shut out of holy ghost encrypted contact between me and god hallelujah amen listen when you have a decision to make amen when you need counsel when you have an answer get in that peaceful state amen go for a drive and just and just 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 yield to those utterances let your mind go quiet quiet and then all of a sudden and sometimes over several uh days sometimes weeks Depending on what it is, the plan of God will just form up inside me. Right? Just form up on the inside of me. And I'll have that revelation and insight. I know what to do. Many times as I'm being quiet, I will hear the Holy Spirit speak up to me in words I can understand. Do this, do that, go here. Pray for this one. This one over here needs help. Call that one. Amen. Am I, am I making any form of sense to you? Hallelujah. Later on that chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says uh, that when you pray with your, in your known language, you're praying with your mind. You're praying with your understanding. But he says he that prays in an unknown tongue, he says his spirit prays. And this is why Christians are so far behind. They deny this supernatural thing because they don't want to be one of them. In the eyes of the Christian community. Amen. Hey, if you've already been in this church two or three times, they already think you're one of them. <laughs> they already think you're one of them anyway. Amen. Let's put Romans chapter 8 up. That'll be our last verse. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity if you would like me to minister to you. One of the unique ways that God uses me. Now, you could go home and get in your bedroom by yourself. Amen. And say, oh, Father, I want that. Fill me. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I receive by faith the fullness of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I expect now to have utterance come up from within my being. Fine. Amen. But, but God is... Given me, I'd say 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, if I put my hand on you for this purpose, 
you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be endued with power from on high. And up out of your being will come, if you just won't stop it, you'll have this wonderful prayer language. And from that time forward, amen, from 1995, 1996 till then, amen, I've been able to communicate with God in this supernatural way. And to be honest with you, that's when for me, concerning the plan of God, things really began to accelerate for me. I don't understand all about it today, but I would take 10 minutes, 15 minutes in my bedroom as a college student, and I'd pray in other tongues. And one of the first things that happened to me was like, the Holy Ghost took a big knife and punctured the tire of that plan I had about going into medicine. It just went... I've been pursuing that for the ninth grade. That was my dream. And then, as I kept praying in other tongues, it's like he reinflated that tire with a brand new desire. I'm like, what? Preacher, ministry, huh? And then other people started seeing that in me. And things began to accelerate and unfold. My life took on a course. Yes, He speaks to you, but sometimes as you pray in other tongues, God is just going to, you're giving Him this room and this divine permission to begin to order your circumstances. He'll, he'll start shunning people and bringing people and the right book. And, the, and He just begins to move in your life to move you down the road of His will for your life. Amen. That's why many, many have said in their writings that praying in tongues is like laying, laying railroad track for your life. Amen. And the more you pray out the plan of God in other tongues, the further the train of your life can go. Amen. And the reason a lot of Christians' lives, they got born again, there was a little bit of fire and all that, but they, they don't progress, is because they don't go on into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The very first thing after I got right with God that He began to deal with me about, people think, oh, in the plan of God, being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues, that's got to be like, Why? You know, on the alphabet, like way down there. That's for the super spiritually developed people. And in reality, it's B. A is get born again. B is get filled with the Holy Ghost. Baptized in water. Believe it, don't believe it. I'm just telling you what happened to me. Totally convinced, Rex, I wouldn't have what I have today. Wouldn't have the knowledge. Wouldn't have the insight. The things wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been here. Wouldn't progress. Had I not figured this out from the Word. Amen. And did, did getting filled with the Spirit separate me from anybody? Yes and no, not really. Right? I, I just went on with God. And that just meant I had to leave behind those that didn't want to go on with God. But God brought into my fellowship new people that wanted to go on with God. Amen. How many of you want to go on with God? What's that last scripture? Romans 8, 26, 27, 28. Hallelujah. And if you see anything in me, you know, over the course of watch, watching me, I, I can't tell you. I cannot underemphasize. There's just no way I could even over overemphasize what I'm talking about. Amen. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He what? He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. He helpeth our infirmities. Now this has nothing, this word infirmity here doesn't have anything to do with sin or sickness. The infirmity, this just simply means a, a flaw or a failure or a weakness. 
Well, yet what weakness? Well, he tells us, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I, I feel for people who can only pray for people or their own families in, in English only. Because you only know. That gets dry pretty quick, right? Five minutes, you said everything you can think about saying. Amen. But see, the Holy Spirit, He knows everything about everything. He knows everything about everything. Everything that you don't know about that situation, that person. Amen. You know, it's a great way for you guys to pray for me. And you could pray for me in other tongues. And the Holy Spirit doesn't have to let you in on my business. Because it's a secret code. Your mind doesn't understand it. We could pray for other people and, and not be, you know, sniffer-outers. But be supernatural blessings to people. So the weakness we have is we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, that's a wrong translation there, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. How? With, with groanings. With groanings. When was the last time you groaned? Amen. With groanings. Well, P.C. Nelson, one of the leading Greek scholars in Dad Hagen's day, he wrote, could write and speak 32 different languages, including Greek. He said the Greek phrase here for groans literally means that the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us, through utterances that are not in our articulate speech. In other words, not our regular speech. And that it would include speaking with other tongues. Amen? Advance the Scripture. And he that searches, that's the Holy Spirit, he knows. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. How? Look at that. According to the will of God. So again, here's how I do it, oh, Father, concerning this. X, whatever it is. I ask you to help me pray, Holy Spirit. I've prayed everything I know how to pray. Now, I trust you to give me utterance. And I just take off. And I might spend 20 minutes. I might spend an hour. I might spend three on very rare occasions. Amen. But the Bible tells me, I'm not speaking some demonic thing. The Holy Spirit is helping me to pray out the will of God. Amen through these groanings and utterances that are not my regular speech. And by doing that, it is the rope in the bucket that will draw up the answer, the counsel, the wisdom that you need. And when it comes up to the surface of your spirit, your mind will go, I got it. I got it. I'm starting a business. I got it. I'm not letting my little one be friends with that guy. I got it. I got it. I'm going to take my money out of here and I'm going to put it over there. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Let's all stand up today. Hallelujah. While you're standing up, if there's anyone... Man, we could just do so much good and we should. Amen. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory. You know, you want to be blessed. You have to be a blessing. And you have to be those kind of folks that you just, who can we bless today, Father? That's, that's what we can do. You know, in any one of us, we, we couldn't meet a, maybe a big, big, big need. Uh, but all of us together. Wow. Amen. So wonderful.
Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, today to the book of Proverbs, chapter 20. Proverbs, no, I'm sorry, Proverbs 5. No. (laughs) Proverbs 20, (laughs) verse 5. (laughs) Hallelujah. Proverbs 20, verse 5. For those that are visiting, those that uh, have not been with us for some time, uh, the guys in the back told me that this is the fifth lesson that we've done in a row, talking about hearing from God. So vitally important that we hear from God. Uh, Amen. Because God's desire is to steer us around all of the traps and the pitfalls that the enemy has laid for us. He desires to lead us into victory and success. You know, God the Father, He authored your victory. He planned it. Jesus came and paid for it. Had to be paid for because we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it. These are not things we deserve. Amen. But Jesus paid for our full inheritance, our full redemption. But now the Holy Ghost has come. What's His job? To lead us into the experience of what God planned and what God the Son paid for. You still, that's why you could have all, you could have your, he, your healings paid for, your soundness of mind, your divine protection, your money, everything that you'd want, need, dream of. Jesus paid for all of it. God planned all of it. You can still go without. You have to be led into it. Amen. And so, how are you going to do that? You have to learn to hear from God. And so, of course, we couldn't go back and restate everything that we've already addressed and taught. But all of those messages are free online. Any podcast channel, Roku, whatever, we put it out there on whatever we can. Wouldn't cost you nothing. Go get it and uh, catch up with us. And, uh, but lately, we've been talking about the, uh, the peace of God was what we addressed last time. And uh, such an important component. You're in Proverbs chapter 20. Let me come up to Colossians chapter 3, and just read this to you again from my Amplified Translation. And uh, this, this is a place you should have a, a home base built in the Scriptures when it comes to hearing from God and making decisions and being led by God. I don't care what it is. Moms, are you safe in letting little Johnny go, go play with the neighbor boy? You can know. We can know. Amen. Uh, the outcome of certain things and uh, whether or not we're safe to go a direction, invest in this, marry this, all of the great big decisions in life that are really going to determine our outcome, God has something to say about it all. I said God has something to say about it all. And in Colossians 3.15 from the Amplified Translation, if they could put that up there, it says, and let the peace, the peace, the soul harmony which comes from Christ, Notice, this peace comes from Christ. And now it goes on and says, Let this peace rule. Let it rule. Not your brain rule. Not what you think rule. Not your pros and cons list. Not your fleece you put out. You know, God, if this is you, let this happen. (laughs) If this is you, let this happen. That's how you get hoodwinked. That's how you get deceived. You go into a job interview and say, Oh, Father God, if it's you, if this job is you, let them offer it to me. And the devil will go, Offer it to him. Offer it to him. Because he can play in that realm. And that's how you get fleeced. 
That's where, we, that's where that term comes from. Amen. From that, back in the Old Testament. Now, Gideon got away with a fleece. You want to know why? Gideon didn't have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of him. Everything God did to lead his people back then had to be from the outside in. That's why David sang in the Psalms, I look unto the hills from, where, from whence my help comes from. I don't look to no hill today. My help isn't coming from a hill. Neither is yours. Now that's fine for David, wonderful poetic language and true in his day. But you and I as believers, our bodies have become the very temple and dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why one of the, one of, I always like to make fun of this prayer. I just do. I'm just, <laughs> amen, just kind of that way. But this whole, the people are sincere, but Lord be with. That just won't do a believer a bit of good. God can't answer that prayer. I mean, how, Lord be close. Draw close, Lord, draw close. Well, I mean, he could come in his, in his tangible presence. You know, you, you, we draw closer to him, all that, James. But uh, how much closer could he get? Really, he's living on the inside of us. Amen? To be led by the Spirit, to make Spirit-led, God-inspired decisions, dads, husbands, you let the peace decide. You let the peace rule. In other words, this is the way I endeavor to conduct myself. Even though, you know, I'm the president of the World Harvest Church Corporation, Harvest Kids Christian Daycare, Chris Coney Ministries, my family, I don't endeavor to let my will and my opinion rule. I've learned I, could, I have a great capacity, Reverend Campbell, to mess things up. Amen. Amen. I want God's will. I want God's decision. And to get that, he's telling us we let the peace decide. Acting as an umpire. Remember that? Remember that we talked about? You know, the umpire goes, you're out. Amen. Praise God. If I don't have a God-authored peace down in here, amen, then it's a no-baby. Amen. I don't care how much people are pressuring me. I don't care how good things look. If I get checked in here, if there's the want or the lack or the absence of peace in here, I've learned. I've learned through trial and error. Not to, not to override that. Amen. God's peace is His green light. That check, that discomfort, that, ad, that inner agitation... That you sometimes have when you're trying to do something or go that way. Mm-hmm. I've gotten to where, you know, I know enough that about that's him. It's like, oh God, why can't I do it? Why can't I buy it? Why can't I go there? Amen. Amen. But the, the red light, of course, is the absence of that peace. Anyway, a lot of good stuff on that last message you should go and listen to. And so, but notice he said, let the peace of God rule. Act as an umpire continually in your hearts. Deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your mind. How many questions? All questions that come up in your mind about that, let the peace of God decide. Amen? Now, I love that, and I want to, this is what I wanted to highlight. The Amplified says, now notice that, in that peaceful state. You see, you discern and can tell about the peace or the lack of peace when you're in a peaceful state. So, you know, there's all kinds of different 
prayers, Brother Caden, you know that. Different ways you can pray, different kinds of prayer. We pray for the lost. We pray for our elected officials. Uh, we pray for one another. We pray for finances. We, we form a prayer that's just praise and worship. Amen? But one of the key ways we pray or kinds of prayer is what I call praying to hear. And praying to hear is different than praying to just let God know you love Him, which you should do. And uh, part of the key in uh, praying to hear or to discern the peace of God, the direction of God in your spirit is you got to get yourself in a peaceful state. Amen. In other words, there are, there are great hindrances uh, and obstacles the enemy... Right, we'll try to throw in your way to keep you to just keep 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 a lot of noise, keep a lot of busyness going on, so that you don't detect clearly the peace or the lack of peace going on in your own spirit. Right, this is why all over the Psalms you'll you'll see David saying things like this: "Meditate upon your own bed, be still." You can read in another place where David said, uh, "Be still and know." Be still and know that I am God. Amen. Amen. So there's two, there's two big challenges for us in modern life. Amen. In getting still. Number one is getting your body still. Now some of you, you don't have that problem. But for me, I am just kind of mm, all the time. You know, if you watch me come back, if I've been gone several days from my house like on a ministry trip or something, the first thing I do, I don't come in and rest, put my feet up. The first thing I do is I'm going to look at the floor. And if it's not right, I mean, if there's kitty litter or dog hair or whatever, I'm going to spend the next hour, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this. And I finally have to just say, hey, chill out. Amen? And I tell you, uh, I'm not off my subject. You understand? Praise God. The bigger and the more gravity the decision, the more I come away. The more I start shutting stuff down. The more I endeavor to uh, push things out so that I can... A lot of times, because I have key to the building, I'll come up here, amen, and and just be in the sanctuary. Wherever you can get. Get in your car and go for a drive. Get quiet. So you have to be physically still. But then the even bigger challenge for most of us is to get mentally still. And most of you, how many of you meant like that? I mean, from the moment you're up, a few minutes after that, when your mind, your mind gets pulled into drive, and you're running at about 3,000 RPMs until bedtime. That hinders your ability to hear. Because your answer's not in your mind. Brother Sean, you ever lost something or misplaced something? I know you haven't, but I, I, I often do. And uh, I, there's been times, Brother Brett, you've seen me. I was sure I put it in a particular. I was sure. So I'd go to that drawer, and, and it's not there. And I'd come back, and, I'd, and I'm coming back. And you come back three or four times. And then I take everything out. You know what? It's not in there. I have to admit, eventually, it's not in there. And believers keep looking to their minds for their answer. Listen, sweetie, it's not in there. 
God doesn't lead us through our minds. He leads us in our hearts, in our spirits, by imparting peace or withdrawing peace. But this is discerned in a peaceful state. So David said, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. Lie across your bed, the Bible says, meditate with your own heart, commune with your own heart, and be still. I know this generation doesn't like that. I saw an article, I just read, I didn't read the article, I saw the headline that says cell phones have become new adult pacifiers. You ain't going to get the leading of the Spirit like that, honey. Amen. So endeavor to get into, you really ought to cultivate a culture in your home. Right? Uh, Of no drama. We're going to deal with things, we're going to deal with it calmly, we're going to deal with it sanely, we're going to deal with it biblically, and we're going to deal with it. But we're not just going to be punching holes in the walls and screaming and certainly cursing and... Right? All this drama and drama, drama. Amen? Amen. In that peaceful state, that's where you're you're going to hear and discern the voice of God. Amen? Amen. Now in Proverbs chapter 20, took me a minute to get there. Uh, Amen. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, counsel. Now you all know what counsel would be, right? It's your advice. It's your answer. It's what to do. Amen. Amen. So this verse starts off with saying, counsel, it's going to tell you for the believer where counsel is. Where is your counsel? Well, that's up there in the throne room. I'm bombarding the gates of heaven. God! Oh, God! No, no, no. Amen? Amen. Counsel in the heart, in the spirit, in the inwardmost being of a man is like deep water. I like that expression. Amen? Did he say that the counsel that's in your spirit, is it just right there on the surface, ready to be just skimmed off real easy? No. The counsel is in your spirit. It's like deep water. It's deep water. Like way down there. Amen. How does the verse end? But a man, a woman of understanding, will draw it out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I want to be a person of understanding. There are some things that you can say, uh, God, what should I do? And it's like, you know, birds chirping. Amen. And, uh, you know, we want microwave answers. answers. We want instant rice. You know, we, we want drive-through deliverance. Right, But I'm telling you, there is something about God. He's not trying to hide Him. But the, the best things, the best leadings of your life will come to those who show God that they're interested. And a lot of people give lip service to wanting to know what God wants. But the Bible says over and over and over that you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Now, none of us are going to qualify doing that, praying a 30-second prayer and then going on about our way, expecting God to interrupt us and write it in the sky so we don't miss it. If we really want to know, if we really want the leading of the Lord, if we really want the knowledge of God's plan for our life, 
then we have a responsibility to pray and keep on praying, to seek and keep on seeking, to knock and keep on knocking. He said, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Isn't it interesting? Ask, seek, knock spells ask. Amen. Praise God. And uh, we are to be persistent and show God we are really interested in our answer. And so, no doubt, this is why counsel in the heart of the man is like deep water. But men and women of understanding will learn how to draw out their answer from their heart, from their spirit, where God is living on the inside of them. Amen. Amen. And did you know, Christian, that God has given you a supernatural gift, a supernatural ability? Call it a bucket on a rope, baby. And it's infinite length. It'll go as deep as it needs to go to get your answer and to draw it up. That's the way I like to think about this. Counsel in the heart of a man is like water in a deep well. Amen. And what you and I have to do, praise God, is dip the, the, the rope, amen, and the bucket down into the water, amen, and draw that up. Hallelujah. Well, that sounds like it takes effort. Yeah, how thirsty are you? How, how bad do you want to know? Most Christians, let's just be honest, they're, they're not really interested. They're content and happy to just um, guess their way through life, will their way through life. Amen. Take, take whatever crumbs of blessing God decides to throw their way. But there's so much. There's so much heartache you could avoid. There's so many pressures and, and uh, problems that, that you and I could be steered around if we would just learn to get still and learn how to take the rope and the bucket that the God has given us, amen, and dip down and draw out our counsel, draw out our answer. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's, uh, let's go to Romans Chapter, no, let's not do that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Hallelujah. Now, what is this rope? What is this bucket? What is this gift? Well, it comes with a wonderful package gift that the Bible calls the empowerment or the enduing of power from on high from God in what is called the baptism with the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. Now, I know that good, good, sincere Christians have thought and taught that what the Bible describes in Acts and other places as the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the new birth are one and the same. But, my friend, they're not. All you have to, you don't have to believe me for my sake. I hope you don't. Go home with a Bible translation you understand and read the book of Acts. And if you get to the end of the book of Acts, you will have to see you will have to admit, an honest reading will tell you, a, a pattern will emerge. You will see a group of people getting, or an individual getting born again. Yep. Amen? And then moments or a few days later or sometime later, you will see them uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, they can't be the same. 
We were talking about this in our mentoring class. Someone brought up, it was an unrelated question about what I'm about to say, but in John chapter 20, I believe, where Jesus in His resurrected form appears into a closed, locked room where His disciples are gathered for fear of the Jews. Amen. He says, hi, fellas. He talked to them. That's when Thomas put his finger. Doubting Thomas, that's where we get that. Well, he got to put his finger into the uh, wounds in Jesus' hands and put his fist up in the wound in Jesus' side. And then it says that Jesus breathed on them. And it says they received the Holy Spirit. Well, what is that? That was them getting born again. You know what Romans tells us about getting born again? He that believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead shall be saved. Is that right? Come on, that's right. Amen. Jesus was resurrected and he goes, hi, to the disciples. Do you think they acknowledged him as resurrected from the dead? You think they believed? And he breathed on them and they were born again. Then he commands them not to go start their ministry, but to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Is that not right? And it says on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There were 120 born-again disciples in that room. They weren't waiting to get saved. You can wait in a room and pray, and you'll never get saved. They weren't waiting. They were saved. And now as saved people, they're obeying a command to wait for the promise of the Father. Hallelujah. Which he instructed. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And you shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. See, he's already in you, but he wants to come upon you. That's what the baptism with the Holy Spirit's all about. It's about anointing and power from the same Holy Spirit who's in you to come upon you to enable you to live the Christian life in a powerful way, in a strong way, and to do the signs and wonders that Jesus did. No, 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 son. No, Jesus said himself in John 14, 12, that the same works, not lesser works, the same works that you see me do, you shall do also. Because I go to my Father. Why is that phrase significant? Well, he said, I'm going to the Father, and when I get there, I'm going to pray that God will send you another comforter, the Holy Ghost. Who is enabling the man, God, man, Jesus, to do all those miracles when he was on the earth? The Holy Ghost. I said the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there in Acts chapter 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Cloven tongues of fire appeared over their head. Fire. Amen. And it says they were all filled. It didn't say they were all saved. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to what? Speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Pastor, I know that, but that's passed away. Who told you that? My preacher, God bless him. He probably graduated from cemetery, didn't he? Where where young preachers go to die, go to get indoctrinated with doubt and unbelief. I'm not saying all those schools are bad. Well, the Bible says tongues shall cease. That's right, baby, it says they shall. It didn't say they have. It said they shall. Well, shall came. Who told you that? Give me scripture for that. 
I know what scripture they're talking about. We're not going there. It's in 1 Corinthians 13. And it says in there, it says that prophecy shall cease. Well, is that cease? Nobody will tell you it has. Nobody. Amen. And it says knowledge shall pass away. Well, has knowledge passed away yet? No. How come you're going to pick on tongues then? Because I don't like them. You're rocking my theological boat. That is my assignment this morning. To help you. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, glory to God. I came out of that frat party with an, in just, an, uh, just such a hunger and desire for the Word. And it just, I was reading all over the Word. Praise God. But it seemed like all I could see, Reverend Marilyn, were these scriptures about people being filled with the Spirit, speaking with other tongues after they got saved. And I'd run to my church, I'd run here, and I'd run there, and I'd say, well, what about this? And they'd say, it passed away. And I'm like, well, can you show me where it passed away? No, but it did. Well, I'm not trying to be stubborn. Amen. But I just want a biblical answer to a biblical question. The whole idea of cessationism as a theological thing is such a lie. It's as big of a danger as evolution is a lie. The Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same. He's the same. Yesterday... Today and forever. Where, where do I have you parked? First Corinthians. Keep a finger there. Amen. But go to Acts chapter 2. Do you know the Bible tells us how long this Holy Ghost, Pentecostal, tongue-talking experience will last? You don't have to have somebody's opinion about it. It's not about me trying to persuade you from another well-meaning preacher and, and what they sincerely held. It, the, the question is, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Hallelujah. I know of Christians everywhere that are hungry and desperate and crying out to God to speak to them and to help them, while at the same time fighting against one of the greatest methods the Holy Ghost has been meant to help them in, it would bring them their help. So in one stance, they're saying, help me. And on the other hand, they're fighting against their own help. It's hard to win in life doing that with God. Amen. Hallelujah. So Peter stands up in the midst. I don't know if you've had a chance to read part of Reverend Siegel's book yet, you know, but he outlines this. People were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they're so full of God. They just get so on fire for God, so touched with God, they're stammering around like drunk people. In fact, the crowd accused them of being drunk. Peter stood up in the midst of them. You could read about it and says, no, 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 it's only 9 o'clock, guys. The bars aren't even open yet. That's the Cody translation. Amen. He said, these are not drunk as you suppose. But he says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he goes on from there and he begins to preach a wonderful sermon that resulted in, uh, what, 3,000 people coming to Jesus that day. Amen. Praise God. And so let's pick it up at the end of the sermon. And let's look at verse 36, Acts 2, 36. Therefore, Peter's preaching, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. See, he's preaching salvation to them. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Y'all know what that's like. I do too, right? And said unto Peter and to the rest, men, uh, Apostles, men, brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Stop, stop, stop. What would happen to them if they did that? 
is the resident theologian in the house right here. If you repent of your sin, amen, what are you going to be? Saved. You'd be saved. Okay, we agree on the, the theologian in the house. He, he agrees with me on this. <laughs> Hallelujah. He and I have a good little banter going on. Amen. Hallelujah. I have the mic more than he does. Eventually, if he gets it, he may pay me back. I don't know. <laughs> then he might not ever get the mic again. But anyway. <laughs> Praise God. And uh, so look at that. It says, he told them, they, they said, what do we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This isn't salvation, my friends. He's saying you can receive, if you'll do what we did, amen, get born again, you can also receive the gift of the Holy Ghost that you've seen us receive and that you're asking us about. Hallelujah. Then he tells us how long this gift is for. What's the expiration date on this gift? For the promise. The promise. Now again, it would take a, a half a lesson. But if you read John, where he talks about the promise, promise, the promise of the Father, it's all about getting filled with the Holy Ghost, empowered by the Holy Ghost, anointed with the Holy Ghost, not about being born again, though being born again is paramount. You can't go to heaven without being saved, guys. Amen. And you can go to heaven without being filled with the Holy Ghost. But you're going to experience unnecessary hell down here on this earth. Because you don't take advantage of a wonderful gift. Anyway, praise God. Look at this. Verse 39. For the promise is unto you. So it's unto who? Well, imagine we're not there. That was Peter pointing at a crowd. For the promise is unto you. Are you in that scripture? Not yet. Amen. And then what does it say next? And unto your children. Okay, so he pushes this out one generation. Is that you? Caden, is that you? No, you're not in that generation, are you? So we haven't found ourselves yet. Amen? But how does the verse end? And to all, except the Methodists. Amen? I can say that being one of them. Hallelujah. And to all. All to who? All that are afar off, meaning what? Afar off in time. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Meaning what? To salvation. I found myself. Peter's preaching under the unction of the Holy Ghost and he sees all the way afar off in time to believers being born again in 2022. And he says this gift is for all who are afar off in time. As many as the Lord our God shall call. Now again, time's running out and I have something to get to about how you get your answer. Amen? But a huge, huge part of it is in the benefits that it's wrapped up in the benefits that comes when you receive, not this curse, this gift. We should be careful, though we believers have been so sincere that they mock and they scoff and they ridicule and sometimes even persecute. Amen. Uh, People who have received something holy, something necessary, something beneficial, something precious out of 
ignorance of what the Bible teaches. We should be careful that we be found fighting against God. Amen? Again, amen. It's a gift. It's not to be forced on anyone. Amen. Can I come to this church and not be filled with the Spirit? Of course you can. But there's going to be sermons like this frequently that are going to give you opportunity, amen, to see this wonderful truth. Now you're in 1 Corinthians 14, right? You flip back there. And I can do this in just a few minutes. Hallelujah. So when believers in that first outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the 120, we see that they spoke with tongues. They weren't expecting to. Jesus didn't say expect to speak in other tongues. But it came with. When they were filled, it came with. And if you read the book of Acts just sincerely, you'll see that's the same pattern. And that's why Pentecostals, people who believe in the baptism with the Holy Spirit, amen, will say that speaking with tongues is the initial, not the only, but the initial evidence that someone has received this gift because it comes with. You know, the first Gentile group in Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching along salvation message, he didn't even get to his altar call. They just grabbed hold of Jesus, and the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and his family and friends. And the Jews, Christian Jews, were astonished that came with Peter for that they too received the same gift they had for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. Isn't that interesting? Hallelujah. Paul said this about tongues. He said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. One translation says, I speak in tongues more than all of you put together. Amen. He also was used of God to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I wonder if those are connected. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. So, uh, if you need to dig and study and get my little book and all that, I'm moving on now. Tongues comes with this gift of being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, why? Uh, Let's close with one reason. The bucket and the rope. You know, in the giving of this speaking in these strange sounds, right? God has given us a divine, supernatural means by which we can have direct, encrypted, amen, communication and contact with God the Father from spirit to spirit. Well, what good would that be to speak something you don't understand? I'm not speaking to myself. When you speak in tongues, you're not speaking to yourself. It's not important that my mind understands it. What's important is, does God understand it? Well, where do the words come from? Well, they come up out of your spirit. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they all spoke with tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. So you, you can't, don't, you could never say then that, oh, that tongue stuff is of the devil. I wouldn't do that. Because it's the Holy Spirit is the one giving this unction and utterance. And Jesus said, you know, God forgives blasphemy against the Father. And God, He forgives blasphemy against the Son. But he that would blaspheme the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Amen? 
they had accused Jesus of casting out demons by the power of demons. Well, how would that be blaspheming the Holy Ghost? Because Jesus was casting out those demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they were likening the Holy Spirit's movement and power and activity to something demonic. Got to be careful. Amen. Now, nobody run out of here concerned about committing the unpardonable sin. Amen. <laughs> but just be, be careful about what we criticize. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. I'm reading this from the Amplified. It says, For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men. Did you get that? But unto God. For no one understands Him. However, in the Spirit, He speaks mysteries. Moffat's translation says, He speaks divine secrets. He speaks divine secrets. Amen? The Amplified says, He utters secret truths and hidden things that are not obvious to your understanding or to your mind. Praise God. The Weiss translation says, He utters with His human spirit divine revelations not explained. What does this have to do with counsel in the heart of a man like deep water? Well, guys and gals, the person who has this gift who can just speak with other tongues, amen? That's the rope in the bucket, amen? And when I need to know something, when I need to hear from God, now every believer, filled and not, or not filled, right? Tongue talker, not talk talker, has the witness. You have the Spirit on the inside of you. You have the leading of the Lord, amen? Praise God. Not saying that, but here's something additional. I said something, it's additional capacity. And trying to be brief here, when I get stuck, Rex, when I really need to know a direction, and uh, I I do, I come aside, I get still, I try to get my body still, try to get my mind quiet, and then what do I do? I yield to the Holy Spirit, and I speak to God in divine secrets. Amen? Amen? So, and I just take off. Now see, my mind didn't generate those words you just heard. Those things bubble up out of my spirit. I didn't have the capacity to do that until hands were laid upon me at Rama Bible Church in 1995-6. She elbowed me into the will of God. I didn't want to go. There's probably 2,000 people in that crowd. He's saying anybody wants to get saved, get filled with the Holy Ghost, get baptized, you know, rededicate, come down to the front. Man, I'm, we're up in the balcony or wherever. I'm not walking all the way down there. And speak like that in front of all those people? No way. But I had this sharp elbow in my ribs. Ding, 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 ding. Right? Amen. So she elbowed me out in the will of God, and I went down. Pastor Hagan Jr. laid his hands on me. Amen. And I was kind of in my head and a hard receiver, but in the back room I spoke. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And so that's just what I do, friends. 
Glory to God. And I just talked, and yeah, did my mind understand that? No, but God understands every, every utterance. Amen. And here's what happens. Why do it? What's the benefit? If your mind is quiet and your body is still, and you will just spend enough time, amen, the Holy Spirit searcheth. He knows what is of the mind of the Father. John 14, 16 says, When He come, He will guide you into all truth. He will tell you things to come. Amen. So He's going to take everything He knows about the Father's will and Jesus' instructions for me. And it's His job to get that over to me. To get that in my spirit. And then I've got to draw it up to the surface. And here's what I mean by surface. When it comes to the surface, your mind will know what to do. And your mind can grab it. That's when your mind gets involved. Does that make sense to everybody? He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God. Howbeit in the Spirit, not the natural, in the Spirit, he's speaking divine secrets. You know why the devil fights this so hard? It's encrypted. It's encrypted. He can't form a counterattack. He can't devise any opposition or strategy. When he hears me pray my desire in English, he can form... Still can't stop him if I have faith. But he can hear what I'm wanting and desiring and form countermeasures to that oh praise god but he's totally shut out of holy ghost encrypted contact between me and god hallelujah amen listen when you have a decision to make amen when you need counsel when you have an answer get in that peaceful state amen go for a drive and just and just 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 yield to those utterances let your mind go quiet quiet and then all of a sudden and sometimes over several uh days sometimes weeks Depending on what it is, the plan of God will just form up inside me. Right? Just form up on the inside of me. And I'll have that revelation and insight. I know what to do. Many times, as I'm being quiet, I will hear the Holy Spirit speak up to me in words I can understand. Do this, do that, go here. Pray for this one. This one over here needs help. Call that one. Amen. Am I, am I making any form of sense to you? Hallelujah. Later on that chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, 14 says uh, that when you pray with your, in your known language, you're praying with your mind. You're praying with your understanding. But he says he that prays in an unknown tongue, he says his spirit prays. And this is why Christians are so far behind. They deny this supernatural thing because they don't want to be one of them. In the eyes of the Christian community. Amen. Hey, if you've already been attending this church two or three times, they already think you're one of them. (laughs) They already think you're one of them anyway. Amen. Let's put Romans chapter 8 up. That'll be our last verse. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity if you would like me to minister to you. One of the unique ways that God uses me. Now, you could go home and get in your bedroom by yourself. Amen. And say, oh, Father, I want that. Fill me. Baptize me with the Holy Spirit. I receive by faith the fullness of the Spirit. Holy Spirit, I expect now to have utterance come up from within my being. Fine. Amen. But, but God is. Given me, a, I'd say 9 out of 10, if not 10 out of 10, if I put my hand on you for this purpose, you'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. You'll be endued with power from on high. And up out of your being will come if you just won't stop it. 
you'll have this wonderful prayer language. And from that time forward, amen, from 1995, 1996 till then, amen, I've been able to communicate with God in this supernatural way. And to be honest with you, that's when for me, concerning the plan of God, things really began to accelerate for me. I don't understand all about it today, but I would take 10 minutes, 15 minutes in my bedroom as a college student, and I'd pray in other tongues. And one of the first things that happened to me was like the Holy Ghost took a big knife and punctured the tire of that plan I had about going into medicine. It just went... I've been pursuing that for the ninth grade. That was my dream. And then as I kept praying in other tongues... It's like he reinflated that tire with a brand new desire. I'm like, what? Preacher, ministry, huh? And then other people started seeing that in me. And things began to accelerate and unfold. My life took on a course. Yes, he speaks to you, but sometimes as you pray in other tongues, God is just going to, you're giving him this room and this divine permission to begin to order your circumstances. He'll, he'll start shunning people and bringing people and the right book and the... And He just begins to move in your life to move you down the road of His will for your life. Amen. That's why many, many have said in their writings that praying in tongues is like laying, laying railroad track for your life. Amen. And the more you pray out the plan of God in other tongues, the further the train of your life can go. Amen. And the reason a lot of Christians' lives, they got born again, there was a little bit of fire and all that, but they, they don't progress is because they don't go on into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The very first thing after I got right with God that He began to deal with me about. People think, oh, in the plan of God, being filled with the Spirit, speaking in other tongues, that's got to be like, why? You know, on the alphabet, like way down there. That's for the super spiritually developed people. And in reality, it's B. A is get born again. B is get filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Baptized in water. Believe it, don't believe it. I'm just telling you what happened to me. Amen. Totally convinced, Rex, I wouldn't have what I have today. Wouldn't have the knowledge. Wouldn't have the insight. The things wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have been here. Wouldn't progress. Had I not figured this out from the Word. Amen. And did, did getting filled with the Spirit separate me from anybody? Yes and no. Not really. Right? I, I just went on with God. And that just meant... I had to leave behind those that didn't want to go on with God. But God brought into my fellowship new people that wanted to go on with God. Amen. How many of you want to go on with God? What's that last scripture? Romans 8, 26, 27, 28. Hallelujah. And if you see anything in me, you know, over the course of watch, watching me, I, I can't tell you, I cannot underemphasize. There's just no way I could even over overemphasize what I'm talking about. Yeah. Amen. 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 Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He what? He's not here to hurt you. He's here to help you. He helpeth our infirmities. Now this has nothing, this word infirmity here doesn't have anything to do with sin or sickness. The infirmity, this just simply means a, a flaw or a failure or a weakness. Well, yet what weakness? Well, he tells us, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. I, I feel for people who can only pray for people 
or their own families in, in English only. Because she only know. That gets dry pretty quick, right? Five minutes, you said everything you'd think about saying. Amen. But see, the Holy Spirit, He knows everything about everything. He knows everything about everything. Everything that you don't know about that situation, that person. Amen. You know, it's a great way for you guys to pray for me. And you could pray for me in other tongues. And the Holy Spirit doesn't have to let you in on my business. Because it's a secret code. Your mind doesn't understand it. We could pray for other people and, and not be, you know, sniffer-outers. But be supernatural blessings to people. So the weakness we have is we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself, that's a wrong translation there, the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us. How? With, with groanings. With groanings. When was the last time you groaned? Amen. With groanings. Well, P.C. Nelson, one of the leading Greek scholars in Dad Hagen's day, he wrote, could write and speak 32 different languages, including Greek. He said the Greek phrase here for groans literally means that the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us, through utterances that are not in our articulate speech. In other words, not our regular speech. And that it would include speaking with other tongues. Amen? Advance the Scripture. And he that searches, that's the Holy Spirit, he knows. He knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints. How? Look at that. According to the will of God. So again, he said, I do it all, Father, concerning this. X, whatever it is. I ask you to help me pray, Holy Spirit. I've prayed everything I know how to pray. Now I trust you to give me utterance. And I just take off. And I might spend 20 minutes. I might spend an hour. I might spend three on very rare occasions. Amen. But the Bible tells me, I'm not speaking some demonic thing. The Holy Spirit is helping me to pray out the will of God. Amen through these groanings and utterances that are not my regular speech. And by doing that, it is the rope in the bucket that will draw up the answer, the counsel, the wisdom that you need. And when it comes up to the surface of your spirit, your mind will go, I got it. I got it. I'm starting a business. I got it. I'm not letting my little one be friends with that guy. I got it. I got it. I'm going to take my money out of here and I'm going to put it over there. Amen. 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 Wonderful. Let's all stand up today. Hallelujah. While you're standing up, if there's anyone...